On this week's Bet the Process podcast, we have the push-up king, the one and only Jonathan Bales, who talks philosophy with us and tells us why he thinks that Nate Silver is the closest thing he's ever seen to Nietzsche. Oh, wait, wait, no, sorry. He doesn't actually say that. Uh, We also do some NFL picks right at the end. So if you can get through the entire podcast, you might get some minus EV picks. So with that, let's start the process. Bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not that typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a talent with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage. Is Welcome to another episode of the Bet the Process podcast where I've been drinking wine, so I'll try really hard not to interrupt our guest, who is a very esteemed special guest. Anyone that can do that many push ups in a 12 hour time frame? Was it 12 hours? That's right. How much how much money did you win off that, Rufus? Um, I think I made like a few a few hundred bucks, but then I had well, then I had a three thousand dollar bet with Matt Davidow from Deck Prism that went to charity. So I I You said a three hundred thousand dollar bet? Three thousand. Oh, three thousand. Got it. I, I'm, we're I'm not we're quite welcoming there yet. in Jonathan Bales, if if any of you guys haven't figured out who is Jonathan uh or Bales, like, uh, welcome to the Bet the Process podcast. No, thank you, thank you, guys, thank you, Jeff and Rufus. I'm, I'm uh, honored to be on the, on the podcast. <laughs> we are, we are honored to have you. We've wanted to have you for a long time. Yeah, we've, we've had the, the poor, you're the poor facsimile of you, your partner Peter Jennings, but we've had him <laughs> a couple times. But no, just kidding, Peter. We love you. Uh, so first off, I will ask you the question of. Uh, well, actually, like, why don't you give a quick intro? Because some people may not know who you are. Those people are probably idiots. But if they don't know who you are, it'd be great to give a little background on what you are, what you've done, and how you ended up talking to us right now. Yeah, I mean, I basically just did a bunch of push-ups, and then, you know, that's <laughs> fine. That's fine. Not yeah. a bunch. It was like a what thousand? No, a couple thousand. Twenty-four hundred. Twenty-five. Twenty-four hundred. Twenty-four hundred. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, I. Uh, you know, very briefly, I um, have always worked in, in sports, I guess. I started a, a, a sports analytics blog in, in college and, uh, you know, those like where- Where'd you go to college? Uh, Muhlenberg. It's like a small uh, liberal arts school in, in PA. I, I majored in philosophy, which my mom hated, but I, I love philosophy. I, I think it's like the most useful major possible. Um, but yeah. Uh, I guess I kind of knew that I, I wasn't going to have a normal job, so it didn't, it didn't really matter what I majored in. How did you know that you weren't going to have a normal job at such a young age? Um, I don't know. I think that I just like kind of have this like um, thing against authority where I don't know what it is. I just I, I couldn't have a boss. I just like it, it doesn't really where I, I just knew, I just knew from them that I wasn't going to be able to do that. So I didn't know I was going to be an entrepreneur. I really didn't know what I was going to do. Um, I was sort of like lost in college, um, but I knew I wasn't going to have like a normal path. I just, I, I knew that for whatever reason. You're ahead of me. I, I, 
literally just had no idea what I was going to do. It hadn't even thought about it when I was in college. Do you do yet? I feel like you still no. don't know. <laughs> no. Like you're a lost soul. Basically. Um, so, okay. So you go to, you go to Muhlenberg, uh, which I could have told you was in Pennsylvania. You didn't have to tell me that. I, I knew that I would have gotten that on, on, um, on Jeopardy if that was a question. Uh, and then after that, you left there and you started playing DFS. So I started, uh, working, uh, like just doing stuff with NFL statistics. Like, did you um, play football at Muhlenberg? Uh, yeah, yeah. I played Is football. it D three or? Yeah, it's D three. Yep. What position so. were you? Oh, you were running back. I remember that. Because right. you played. Did you play? Did you you played for the rivals. No, no. It was in one of his blog posts. He talked about how his school didn't have a high school. His high school didn't have a football team, but he was allowed to play for the rival high school football team, and was he was like a nerd at his high school, but was like the popular kid at the other high school. It was a great story. <laughs> yeah, Probably it was better really, told really, by him than you. <laughs> I'm just trying to get points here by showing I've read it. No, you get all the points. Sweet. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but in college, I mean, um, yeah, so I was doing like this, uh, doing all these, I I would break down um, games and look at the film, but, you know, track like um, every motion, every audible, uh, the A dot, which wasn't a thing at the time. Every, everything really that I could and just uh, um, give it to teams for free. Um, you know, I just sell, send them these Excel sheets. Um, so I started. So doing, you would send it to random NFL teams? Yeah, I, I mainly did it for, I did it for a few different teams. Uh, I mainly. What, I, what person at the team would you send, try to send it to? I send it to everybody, like every single email that I could get in the entire organization, I would just <laughs> set it, everything. What was the hit rate on responses? It was very low. <laughs> but the uh, the stuff I was sending was really good. Like it was it, like, I guarantee you these teams didn't have this stuff and you know, it, it would still be useful today, I assume it was like. So you were almost doing like charting. Yeah, I was Giving them charting information before there was Game Rewind at that time would come online around midnight and then I would stay up from like 12 until maybe 10 a.m. just charting stuff and then I would post about it and send it out right away and uh yeah I mean in hindsight it was so stupid that it was completely worthless and uh you know but I mean I started to uh to write about it and stuff and then I uh so I for for whatever reason someone at the New York Times like saw it and then I started to write for the New York Times and then but it was like nothing really. It was super small. But that was how I started writing. It was awesome. Uh, so then anything that I did after that, I would sign like Jonathan Bales, New York Times. And then every single person would answer me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, but pretty quickly I realized like um, there was no money in that. And uh, the incentives, the incentive structure probably wasn't um, there. And uh, so I, that that's really how I got into fantasy and DFS. I started to just write about it, and um, yeah, the 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 way that I met Peter, my co-founder and uh, business partner, is. Um, Are you guys soulmates? We might be. I mean, yeah. yeah, he's he's like one of my best friends. Soulmate doesn't have to be romantic, Rufus. Don't look at me like that. Oh. Yes, yeah, but so how yeah, did you all meet, though? 
I met him because I um, uh, was writing a book about DFS, but it was really just like a way to, to learn how to play DFS because I started to play and was just like getting crushed. I thought it would be really good and was getting killed. And that was my way to, to talk to Peter. And I, I wrote that book and that's how I, that's how I learned about DFS. I met Peter and then... Uh, what did you wait, um, did, did you email Peter and say Jonathan Bales New York Times looking to write a I'm looking to write a book here on DFS yep that's exactly yeah. what I did what did did you how come you didn't uh were you pulled at all the sports betting or like it's you know that would have been an opportunity obviously too for you to employ your superior knowledge of the NFL uh not at that time um a little bit I would do like some random things like I I would bet on yeah, really weird markets like uh, kickoff stuff and just really weird stuff, but but not really. It was all DFS. How come you weren't drawn to, to betting? Um, I think that my mm, – the way that I think is more like game-oriented and um, I'm really into game theory and public psychology and things like that and uh, just the way that DFS was structured at that time. Um, I, uh, well, in the beginning, actually, uh, it, my dad was a compulsive gambler, like really bad. So, so I was not allowed to gamble for a very long time. Like even into my early twenties, just like, that was not something that I, I would even think about. But even once I started to, uh, you know, um, think about it, uh, DFS was just way more attractive to me for the mainly for the game theory elements like i like to figure out um sports and like solve uh solve those puzzles and stuff but i really like to predict what other people are going to do and try to like maximize payoffs based on what i think you know a field of people might do did you have did you have like a aversion to gambling because of your dad and that kind of turned you off of it i suppose yeah, it was it was just that I wasn't allowed to do it. I was just told that it was bad for so long. And but like, did your dad even tell poker? you not to do it? Or no, it wasn't you... my dad. It was my mom. It was my mom. Yeah, uh, it. and it really actually I think helped me back for so long because I don't have that same thing that he has. Like, I'm not a compulsive gambler. I'm actually like super strict. I think um, not super strict. I'm like pretty degenerate actually, but not uh, really. Like, you know, I just like I, I'll gamble a little bit just to gamble, but I want to hung out with I met I met Bales uh, last week in Philadelphia and uh, I was hanging out with him in Levitan and Pillow Girl and I think all we did was play games and gamble and uh, but there and he walked out with half of the money in my wallet okay so uh, can I can I can we get an I don't want to get too personal on this but I find this like fascinating because one I, I have two sons right now and I think a lot about you know how I want to position gambling in their lives right and so are is your are do you, do you have like a relationship with your dad yeah yeah great relationship now but mostly because of that i didn't when i was younger it was really bad so i didn't and does he, how does he feel about you he must like almost like look up to you now in a standpoint of like because like that's if you're compulsive gambler the person that can actually get an edge and gamble that's i mean that's your hero right yeah, I mean, he's my hero too because he was able to 
like to to have that in you and to be able to overcome that he doesn't gamble now is it's so tough like most people can't do that that's like being a drug addict and being able to overcome it so i mostly look up to him but um yeah i i've always wondered like what is the difference really is it just that for whatever reason i'm plus ev and i'm actually the same thing but because i have like a slight edge it's okay or something you know like uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's that, but I've 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 wondered that. Like, am I actually the same uh, type of personality? And it 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 it's just have worked out for me because I am like slightly sharper or something. I mean, Rufus and I talk about this on the podcast all the time because I feel like he, Rufus, does not have that compulsive gene. I really don't think oh. he does, and he's very, very dispassionate in how he looks at, at betting. I mean, Jeff, I think I, I, I have. I clearly have the risk-taking gene. Like I've always been drawn it's to not, risk it's, in my it's life. Di- it's, so it may not be gambling per se, but it it's, is. It's different though. And I'm not risk. saying this in a, I'm not saying this in a negative way to you. And I'm not saying this in a positive way to me. Like, God damn it. I am a degenerate. I, Let me be a degenerate too. I like to tell people the story. I like to tell people that card counting was not really gambling because we had an advantage and we knew that we had an advantage and, no, it wasn't. But like, I have the compulsive gene in me. I know I do. And I know I do because of sports betting. Right. And so oh, ultimately, what's that? I said, I know you do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's different than you. So I wonder with, with my sons, like, how do I, you know, what, how do I do this? Right? Like, how do I, because obviously, I'm not going to tell them not to gamble because that would be hypocritical at some level. But like, it's almost like that's what you were told, but yet you, you ended up like on the right side of all of this. Yeah. The way that, I mean, I, I, I guess I just eased into it through fantasy sports. So that, you know, and then DFS was like, Oh, that's not really gambling or whatever, even though it's like obviously gambling. Um, so that was my, that was my way in. So you fell for like the legal interpretation. You were like game of skill. I didn't didn't fall for it. I, I knew that, you know, gamed the system. Yeah. But um just i guess the perception of my family would be would be something you know along you have an addictive personality in other things yeah probably yeah like push-ups you just have to keep doing them until yeah no no i would say yeah and like uh whatever i do like when dfs for example it was like three years where it was nothing that's all i did like I never went out. I never did anything. All I did was DFS. Like all I did was study DFS. That was it. And in some ways that's like really unhealthy, but in some ways like you can't really like. No, but other people would just say you were a workaholic, right? Like in another well, profession that would have been called workaholic, yeah. right? Yeah. But I, I suppose if I had the wrong sort of vice, then that could be really bad to, ha- to have that personality type, which, which I think. Have you, is there any wrong vice that you've had that you've had to stop? Um, not, not yet really, I don't think, but. Heroin, right? Heroin? Yeah, well, I still do heroin, it? yeah. Yeah, it's fun. Big, big heroin guy. <laughs> I just watched a hillbilly elegy last night. So opioids and heroin is like, you know, it's, it's top of mind. Uh, which bills I can relate to that though. I mean, cause I am, I'm somebody that I have a very addictive personality, but I have trouble having balance in my life. It's like, if I'm doing so it's, it's hard for me to both be, you know, 
you know, being in a good place with work your worst, and working out regularly and cooking and eating, you know, well, it's like, if I'm working, I'm working and that's kind of all I'm doing. And that's the focus of my life. And I'm not eating out or I'm eating out mostly and not going, working out as much. And if I'm, yeah. So what's your worst um, vice or addiction, Rufus? I don't know. Um, Excel, Microsoft Excel? No. Um, spreadsheets in general? No, not a spreadsheet guy as much anymore. Analytics? Stata. No. Stata. R? R? No. You see, you guys, like, you guys can't even talk about I mean, bad alcohol vices. probably for me. Yeah. I would think that's the most unhealthy. Well, but do you have days that you just don't even want to drink? Of course. Yeah, then you're not, that's not really a bad vice. Oh, no, I'm, but you said what you're is a social, You're a social alcoholic like I am. <laughs> I am. I like love drinking socially. Like if I were sitting at home like tonight, I don't need to have a glass of wine. No, I mean, we're social right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, back to Bales. I would, um, I would say that, uh, to Rufus's point about, um, you know, only being able to focus on one thing. I think that's fine. Like, you know, you might do that for a day, a week, months. Um, but if you like sort of extend the time frame that you want to be balanced in and that, you know, okay, over the next year, I'm going to be balanced, then that's fine. Spend three months on this, three months on this. And I actually think that that's probably a better way to view balance. And that's how you get the most done because you can sort of like really dig deep into something like, okay, I really want to get in shape. I really want to figure out this aspect of sports betting or whatever it is. And people try to be balanced in like way too short of time frames and it you can't actually accomplish anything that way. I think that's a good good point, especially given how many different um, how many different things are competing for our attention all the time. It's, I mean, like I have a bunch of stuff going on right now. It's like meeting here, meeting there. Like, oh, have to have dinner with the fiance. I have to, you know, all these things. Make sure um, she listens to yeah. that part of the podcast. Uh, that, that's just said, that's the most important dinner. part, though. But it is nice, nice recovery. No, um, it's. I think you're right. I mean, I think it's, you can get, you can get, I mean, my most productive times are when I'm kind of like, like working, like intensely focused on, on something, but you're in flow state and flow state. Exactly. But it is hard. Like I've always struggled with, you know, being good at work and like being good at like my relationship. And like, I mean, I still have trouble with the balance, you know, like you said, over the course of a year or something. Um, And so that's something I need to get better at. What are your secrets for that? How do I how do I create a bet for myself? How do I incentivize myself properly for for something like that? What to have balance in your yeah. life? Yeah, because I can incent. Yeah, I, I can mean, incentivize I- specific things. Like my brother and I um, had to pay each other a hundred dollars every day. We didn't do a hundred push-ups for like a few months, but then we eventually stopped, and that worked. That was during COVID. I can thank Bales for that. Yeah, but. the profits are super motivating for for fitness stuff. Like, I had one with Peter that was just a thousand dollars anytime we ate uh, like simple carbs, like you know any sugar thing, or anytime we drank beer. Um, it was a thousand dollars to the other person, and you know it's pretty easy to not like have dessert or something if you owe a thousand dollars. Well, how um, how long did you do that for though? Is that like a week or two, or is this like months? No, it was a few months probably. Damn. Did anybody have to pay any money? No, no one paid. Or, or 
did anybody actually did anybody should we choose? should we make a bet right now with the three of us for uh, something that will make us healthy i'll definitely do it. Uh, uh yeah <laughs> what, what would you want to propose to us uh, i like the negative bets because i mean i'll do i'll do any sort of fitness prop that you guys want but uh do you like do you, you drink do you drink yeah, yeah, I drink. I drink like pretty regularly. I, I think know. we've probably had a drink together in Boston. I'm assuming. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember having a drink with you. That's, yeah, yeah. So I, I drink um, two or three times a week, probably. That's how. How often do you drink, Rufus? Uh, I don't know. Um, maybe like four or five days a week. Hmm. All right. Well, let's let's move on to uh, to Peter's. Uh, sorry to to Bales's blog, um, which is pretty awesome, um, and got a lot of. W- what motivated you to want to do this? Um, I just miss writing. I think that. Sorry for for we got to give you the. It's luckymaverick.substack.com. Yeah, just um, the lucky maverick. It's really uh, that. Um, I recognized that when I was like, my background is in writing. I think that that's probably, you know, the, the thing that I'm best at when I, when I write these articles, it doesn't take me very long. I can, I can just like sort of write that's, you know, I guess what, what, uh, um, you know, my, my uh, biggest skill is and, and I love to write and, um, you know, now that, um, I've had maybe a little bit of success in talk in uh, the you know some of the things that I talk about. I feel comfortable in um, in in talking about them. You know, it's you know coming from someone that 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 hopefully did some of the things that he's that he's talking about, not someone that's just saying shit. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, mainly it's just that I that I that I like to write. And the the idea behind it is uh, sort of. Uh, that I think people should approach their life as if, as if it's a game. And if you figure out how to beat a game, whether it's sports betting or DFS or um, crypto trading or any game, monopoly, anything, you figure out the rules and the hidden rules and all the edges that you can exploit and all those things. If you really uh, figure out how to solve a game, you can win almost any game and you can get better at a lot of aspects of life. What, uh, you know, a lot of, areas of business or whatever it is by applying the same principles that you use to win that game. So the concept of lucky Maverick itself, right. Which, which I kind of like love that, that notion. And it's interesting because like, when I think about myself, it's similar to you in that like there's this cross section of analytics and entrepreneurism. We obviously went in like very different directions. So when I was reading the the blog, I was basically like, holy shit, this is like, this is like what I wish I would have written one day, like, but it's, it's written so well and, and whatnot. And I love like the first thing. So we talk about the concept of luck, right? What do you, what does luck mean to you? Cause people ask me this all the time. Like, what does luck mean to you? And I would ask you the same question. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's defi- different definitions of. No, but to you, what does it mean? Like, what? Like, if someone says, "What role has luck played in your life?" Right? That's like the kind of thing that people will say because, like, 
as a as as two of us that like and Rufus, three of us that like are data people or analytics people, right? We're not supposed to quote unquote believe in luck, right? So people are always like the oh the gotcha is what 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 role has luck played or what do you think about luck or do you believe in luck and everything like that, right? Yeah. I think luck is just like positive variance where, you know, if you played out some scenario with all the same uh, factors, like a billion times or whatever, that you're on the right side of that, like you're on the, the, the better 50% of that, um, that's luck. And, you know, the, the percentile you're in would be better and better luck. Um, so that's how so, I think luck. So you're basically just saying like to you, luck is what you need to position yourself in is where your positive EV or your positive variance and luck is just the luck is just like the manifestation of the position you put yourself in. Yeah, more or less. And, uh, but I think that the, the way that people view, um, luck is, uh, sort of without regard to how many opportunities, um, people take. And, um, uh, so, you know, the, entrepreneur who like fails at a bunch of businesses and then gets like super lucky it's obvious that he's on the right side of variance like a top one percent outcome on his fifth business um people say he's lucky but he like continued to take so many shots that it was sort of like uh he was destined to get lucky at some point because he kept taking those shots and so in that way you can sort of manifest your own luck the percentages don't actually change but people's perception of how lucky you are um might change but the, yeah so i think that the, the easiest way to improve how lucky you are is um not actually to try to change the percentages of one shot it's just to to try more to take more shots it it's interesting because i think if you ask people conventionally what what is luck like if you ask a random person on the street it would have very little to do with probability right it would have to do with like an innate like like power in the world that makes this person have better outcomes than the other person right like and so the idea of breaking it down more to like variance and probabilities and trials and whatnot is almost goes counter to what the conventional person would think of as luck right yeah yeah probably um but to me that it makes no sense <laughs> like i do believe people some people are, uh, they're not inherently luckier than others, but they will experience what other people deem as luck. They will experience more positive variance for a variety of reasons, whether they take more shots or they like um, increase the uh, payoffs to, you know, when, when they're right. So it looks like they got really lucky, but they actually like set that, set that up in a very strategic way. Um, Who's the luckiest so wait, person wait, wait, wait. that you know? I mean, like that's actually an interesting question, right? Like, who would you call Probably the luckiest me. person? I think I, I think I'm one. Of, I think I'm the luckiest person I know. Um, Jennings said that that you were he, that you were the luckiest person he knew. Also, I didn't mean that in a positive way. <laughs> he meant. <laughs> no. I I think it's my my business partner. He's the guy that whenever we play golf, he hits the ball into the trees, and magically, it always bounces out into the fairway. I mean, but in that definition, Rufus, your definition of luck is completely different than no, what. No, it's positive what, variance. So no, but you're right. Like, so Bales was saying, like, someone that has more luck is taking more shots. But I would say, if you're taking more shots and basically positioning yourself better, that isn't luck. That's 
that's more expected value. So do you guys think that anybody has more inherent luck than someone else? Ooh, I, I, we're going to get all philosophical here. Like, no, so, it, so it's honestly like, it's a fascinating, the, like, the, con, the concept of luck, right? It, and, and how we perceive it and what, what, how, how we define it is fascinating to people that are very data driven as we are. Right. And so, go ahead, Rufus. I was going to say like, okay, I was born in, in America in a middle-class family. Like I'm in the one top, top like 0.1% of people in the world easily with that. In terms right? of what? That's a good question. Social actually. skills? What? In terms of opportunity, I guess. But, but the question is, uh, definitely wait, 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 wait. What you, you said you were born in a middle-class family. So in that state, you're saying you were born into a situation where you had opportunity or you're saying now where you are? No, I was born into a situation where, I mean, living in America in a, in, in a family it. that wasn't poor, like that's, that's luckier than, than like almost everybody in the world. If you look at it, like percentages. I mean, now we are really getting philosophical. I see what you mean. So, so it's like, okay, th- put it this way, Jeff. If you could be a random, like, what? It, let's say you're born and you don't, you, you know, you're a random person. One out of the how many, how many billion people are there in the world? It's like seven billion. Does that sound I right? About, I was going to say something like seven Maybe billion. It's probably way more than that now. Um, but we could go on Google. Right. Google has that answer. Google.com is that the right address? The search engine, yeah. Okay. Uh, but if you if you were basically randomly drawn to be one person, to like in the world, like, right? Given where, what I like the family I was born into, I'm I think I'm like the top percentile in terms of luck there. Sure. Got it. Got what you're. Got what you're. Well, so, so is that is that natural inherent luck or whatever you're asking, or is that no? But that's like. I think what we're saying, what I think we're, at least what I'm interested in is maybe the constant is, is if there is a, you know, supernatural or a non, like, is there, is there like a, a non, you know, deterministic thing that, that we, any of us believe in, in terms of luck? Do you know I what I mean? mean? Like the, what's there our, could like, be, there could be something when you flip a coin, think about this. we, we view if it's you know if you get three tails in a row we view that as luck but maybe there is if you look deeply enough at the molecular level or something or maybe there's some power out there that has already predetermined what it's going to be and to him it's not luck to him this is exactly what it was always going to be but to us based on our knowledge that we have it's luck sorry that got very philosophical it, bales i mean i would have taken what bales is, minus five thousand to get the, I, get the most I, philosophical i agree minus. with all these things i don't um think there's like some supernatural form of luck but distinguishing between that and what we see in the world which is that some people seem to like really have more luck is very tough i think that those people um yeah they they take more shots um they increase the uh the sort of um, payoffs to them when they're right. And uh, they, another big thing is sort of uh, confidence in yourself, just that you believe things will go right for you. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. 
that won't always work. And I believe that overconfidence is like one of the worst things that you could have. It's, it's um, awful in a lot of ways, but the self-belief in yourself will make a lot of things come true. And when you, when you have those three things, someone can seem extremely lucky. I don't think it goes against the laws of statistics. I don't think there's anything supernatural, but those people will, uh, you know, by the conventional definition of lucky, they will seem to get a lot luckier than other people. So that, that idea that you just said, which, which I kind of like love is this idea of um, like believing in yourself. And, you know, when I, when I read your blog and it talks about betting on yourself, that concept for me personally um, in my life, whenever I've gotten to a point where I get frustrated with like things and factors that I can't control, that I'm like waiting on or something like that. Like if I'm trying to hire someone to do a job and I like don't know if I can hire them, I always just go back to myself and I'm like, what can I control? And how do I like make the world, like how do I do what I want? Like how do I, how do I make, make it happen, right? And that's like the ultimate sort of entrepreneur thing, which is like, I don't wanna like take a job and depend on other people. I just wanna build it myself, right? And so is that, is that kind of like at the core of this concept of betting on yourself? Yeah, in some ways I think, um, yeah, that's probably a good example like where I've had that too, where, you know, things don't go your way and it's so easy to like sort of sulk. I, I'm not the best at it. Like, I, I think that I could get so much better at, um, you know, like uh, sometimes, you know, we know probabilities, right? So when we, when we end up in the bottom 10%, we know we're in the bottom 10% of outcomes, that stinks. And we know that we're in the 10%, bottom 10% of outcomes more so than other people do. And so it's hard not to like sort of uh, think of what if type of thing. So I know I could get better at that. But, um, but yeah, being you, you really have to just like live life only focused on the things that that you can control and sort of the um, life that manifests itself is, is uh, you know, what you make of it and, and, uh, and what you, um, you know, if, if someone doesn't act the way that you think they should or what's, uh, what you think is considered rational or whatever, that really doesn't matter. You just like adjust to, to whatever they did and, and go on with um, sort of the way that you, that you think things should be done, like trying to um, rationalize everything or, or figure out all these what ifs is, um, you know, it's enticing, but it's not very productive. So the first principle in this concept of lucky is see the world in terms of probabilities. And this is like, um, I know that people shit on her, but this is like the Annie, du the Annie Duke thing, right? Like Annie Duke always talks about making decisions in terms of probabilities. How do you think about doing this in life decisions, right? Like, do you think about all of your decisions in terms of probabilities? Um, no, not every decision, I guess. Or, you know, I'm not actively thinking about it in terms of probabilities. I, I would say, though, what's like the crazy, what's the craziest decision that you've made that where someone would be like, oh, my, like, where you're like, I, I made this based on probability. And you'd be like, people would be like, what, what do you mean? Like. I mean, and I'll give you like a filibuster with this, but like there's, there's people that have talked about getting married and making that marriage decision in terms of thinking about probability. When you get married, do you think you'll think about it in terms of probabilities? Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> You're like, what's the probability I found I find somebody better than Pillow Girl? I have. I mean, she, she's sleeping, but yes. <laughs> but no, 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 no. Uh, but it, yeah, I mean, you think, yeah, every, everything is in terms of probabilities, I guess. That's just the way that I think. Uh, uh, Pillow Girl is amazing. But, so I'm not like, you know, uh, I would say you have like, um, for me, like some things that are non-negotiable, like your virtues, the things that you stand for, and you're not like, you know, I'm never going to steal from someone or something like, I just would never do that. It's never going to happen. I will always be honorable in certain situations. And then after that, uh, you know, then I'm thinking in probabilities type of thing. Well, thinking in probabilities is very romantic from personal experience. <laughs> I can tell you it is. Girl, girls love when you, when you, when you say, Hey, look, you're like, there's only a 2% chance I find anybody better than you. <laughs> will you marry me? <laughs> No, what if you said there's a, there's only a 49% chance I'm going to go positive EV and then you tell them and you think there's only a 49% chance that we're going to get divorced. So you are, you're like a 2% EV. Plus, my, my, my friend Kobe literally is like, I mean, that's how he, he's not, he's, he's not a math guy at all, but he was like, does, does this person like, he's like, does this person make my life better? Does it make it even 51% better? Then that's a, then that's good. Yeah. Okay. Have know. you guys had any problems, you know, in your in your relationships with with that, where you're like, you know, bringing probabilities into uh, into the relationship or into things that you know your significant other is like, this is ridiculous. Why? I mean, for me, it was probably like life insurance, right? Like early on when we got married, and um, she wanted me to get life insurance, I was like, no. I mean, what, what, like, what, what's, 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 hap what's happening tomorrow? Like, <laughs> should I be sleeping? Like, you know, like, but the notion of, you know, obviously once you have kids, it's different, right? Life insurance takes on a whole different role, but otherwise it's a very negative EV bet, right? So it wasn't something that I felt comfortable with. I think generally like risk tolerance more than thinking in probabilities and maybe that they're the same thing, right? At some level, because it's understanding risk tolerance. So, um, I, my, my wife and I have very different, we don't, we don't really like have finances that are shared. We have shared finances, meaning like I pay for most stuff, but like she doesn't have visibility into some of the different risks I take in my life. Right. And, and I think that's kind of important. Like when two people don't fully grok the same concept of probabilities and EV and all that kind of stuff. That's interesting. I mean, for me, this isn't probability as much, but I mean, I think there's times when my fiance wants, you know, might say something and, and I sort of go into problem solving mode. I'm like, well, like rationally, this is, you know, your best, this is what you can do to, you know, make this better. And she's like, no, I just want, I just want you to listen to me. I just want, <laughs> like, I just, I, I don't want, I don't want, I, I don't want like the solve, like solve the puzzle version of you right now. So. But that's, you're talking about like very much the difference between like the stereotypical difference between men and women and how we deal with problems and conflict, right? That's what my therapist said. I, I think the interesting thing, Bales, that you're bringing up, which is this idea of how does like that, that the concept of how you think in terms of probabilities, which obviously makes it easier to take risk when you understand probabilities, like 
otherwise like you're just taking a bad risk right like if you if you know go back to your your like your mom and your dad situation with your dad being a gambler and you like how does your mom feel how did your mom feel early on about your life in the dfs world and whatnot um yes like i said i eased into it and um you know so it didn't seem like gambling for a while so to her yeah to her so interesting because it was we were playing season long like she was in she was in one of my season long leagues i had season long leagues <laughs> since i was like since i was like 12 i ran these leagues uh you know how hand calculating you just season long fantasy a season long fantasy league so she was like into fantasy itself yeah yeah she knew That's i mean awesome. she was in it i kicked her out of the league because she she kept uh playing guys that were sitting but uh <laughs> but yeah so she she knew about that and so i think yeah you know by the time it uh it was obvious sort of what was going on i was a little bit more successful and it was like oh well he has a job now finally like just let him go so I think she was just happy that I was doing something. It's interesting because I, I think about my dad, um, who was a chemical engineering professor, um, obviously understands probabilities, like you have to know that to do that, but never was comfortable with the blackjack stuff I did, even though it was completely mathematical, right? Never could get, and my dad, I think, has the gambling gene in him because he played, he liked to play poker with his friends and whatnot. I just think he was so risk averse and was brought up so poor that the concept of losing money would just make him sick to his stomach, right? And so it's, it's interesting to think about, I don't know, like the, the journey that we have to get to where we are based on who our parents are. It's, it's I don't know, I think it's fascinating. Yeah, for sure. I mean, some people are just not comfortable with, um with any sort of volatility and in, in income you know that's just not something that i think that they'll accept even if it's you know you have a very small edge but your edge playing blackjack is like a few percentage points over losing right yeah i mean i mean like honestly like from a from a like optimistic standpoint when people ask me like what our edge was i was i'd say it's like two percent right which probably is even higher than what it really was i mean it's 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 not very high um, and the variance is very big. So it's definitely one of those like law of large number things. But, but honestly, at the end of the day, it's one of the most straight, safe analytical things as long as you have enough money, right? Because ultimately you can model it out and you know the risk of ruin is so small as long as you have enough money. So whether, is it worth the time based on the, the small edge you have and the amount of money you can deploy? Who knows? But um, yeah, I, I find blackjack still to be the, the best Petri dish in terms of understanding like data-driven thinking um, because it allows you to be almost like a stubborn stubborn idiot and believe in numbers over everything else. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me. I, yeah, I, I think I think poker is, is uh, one of the best games for people to learn and, and you know, in terms of... Uh, but blackjack is better than poker, right? Because poker there is human emotion that is attached to this and it's there's just some things that aren't you know like in blackjack the dealer is never going to just make a subjective decision that will make the 
probability and models that you have go out the window, right? So I mean, blackjack like, is a closed system. Like poker right? is an open system in a way. Or exactly. It's not an open system, but well. But that, but it's interesting. Know. It's not an open system, like, but it's you have actors that can do different. I guess. Yeah, it is I, I was just I was just speaking in terms of like understanding, uh, um, you know, or making decisions with incomplete information, and uh, I guess blackjack is that. Is blackjack, you have much more complete information, right? Like you know, you know, basically the. I mean, it's just it's just so mo modeled so perfectly. Um. How about how about this concept? And, and obviously, the name of our podcast is "Process Bet the Process," which uh, Captain Jack told me today. He thinks is like the best name for a betting podcast, and he said that on his YouTube show. It totally uh, is. I think yeah. that was that's my one contribution to the podcast, isn't it? Oh my god, are we really going to argue over who named yeah. it? Do you really think you named it? <laughs> yeah, you don't remember this? No, you did not name yes, it. Yes, I did. I, like you, I came up with it. And you, oh my god! Okay, revisionist history here. Oh my god! You, are you going? You're starting to quote Malcolm Gladwell now yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. We're, 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 we've entered screw, that phase. Screw of the that! Podcast. Screw that clown. Um, divorce process from outcomes. I think that's one of the things that we we believe so much. But in sports and in betting, it's one of the most impossible things. So I'm going to ask you, what is the, what's your trick when shit's going bad about divorcing process from outcomes? Because when things are okay and whatever, it's not hard. But like when things are going bad, how do you, how do you maintain that? Yeah, good question. Uh, yeah, I mean, Blackjack is a perfect example of you need to um, divorce process process from outcome like all the time uh i think it's that you have like so this this uh article already about section of this blog is um my principles these are things that like i fundamentally believe to be true i think that i believe them to be true for evidence-based reasons but maybe not maybe some of them like come close to uh sort of like a faith this is just something that i fundamentally believe i believe that this is right this is the way that I think that I need to operate and uh, the way that the world works. And um, you operate within those ideals or those principles. And, uh, you know, if you consistently stick to those, if I consistently try to seek EV and um, think about uh, problems in terms of EV and um, focus on payoffs and probabilities and all these things that I think things will eventually um, around for me but i think that you need to have that that set of set of principles about how the world works and uh yeah everyone is going to experience bad luck and then probably like a huge amount of bad luck that they think is uh there's no way that this could just be bad luck like i'm doing something wrong and um yeah you you, you need to have the it's just fundamental belief that you you know in your heart are right what's the word what's the like the worst moment that you can remember that you that tested that faith um i would say i mean in dfs the worst that i did was in 2016 i think i just like uh, i don't know it was just i lost like every it, it was so bad i was just like that like it, it should have been like a really good year in 2016 huge edge way more than now and uh in nfl i was just getting crushed every week 
I was putting in a ton of time. I thought I was doing everything right. Looking back on it, I think I was doing um, certain things wrong, but there's no way I should have lost as much as I did. It was really a bottom. It was really, really bottom 5% outcome for sure. Maybe like bottom 1%. It was so bad. Um, uh, and I actually didn't have like some great belief. I was a winning DFS player at that point. I thought I was just dust. <laughs> so how did you come out of that? You just kept, you just like, it didn't change who you were. You just kept playing and then eventually it turned around. Yeah, but never at, at no point there's been certain years that I've made the most money from DFS, but at no point have I relied on DFS. Like that's what I need to do to survive. So it was never really um, like a, it wasn't that big of a conundrum for do me. Do you think, do you think not having basically not having it be your, have that pressure on like helped you be more rational in DFS? I mean, you don't seem like someone who would be prone to actually, I don't know, like, I mean, not being too conservative in decisions. Yeah, or, I mean, I know how you, what you believe about hedging and stuff. The yeah, risk tolerance, I think, could change. In terms of being rational, not really. To me, that's just like, it's pretty easy in DFS. Like, you make, like, you can't really go on tilt. In poker, you definitely could, right? Like, you just, it, it, the the, you know, time between hands and stuff is just, not enough but in dfs there's just i mean you could like tilt enter a slow down or a showdown slate or something but i mean not really i think that i pretty much do what i think i mean it's not always rational it's, but it's always what i think is rational and if you just want to avoid it you could just go to a place like nevada where it's illegal to do dfs and you could just you know get out of any bet you're in right <laughs> yeah. oh god <laughs> sorry sorry too soon too soon it's okay uh principle i'm off on my series for that at least principle number four which i really like is be a big fish in a small pond what how do you think about that and the lens like most of the people that listen to this podcast are sports betters or or aspire to be sports betters what would be the analogy for sports betters to that principle I would probably be like finding some small market uh, that you can own, um, whether it's a you know specific sport or you're betting like first quarter, first half, or um, you know you're just on top of some small market where there's not as many competitors. The line obviously isn't getting hammered into into place as fast as on you know NFL totals or something like that. Um, and the idea is that yeah, by by being first and limiting the competition, you can um you know obviously you have a higher probability of being right and then you have a higher uh payoff you have a higher uh payoff when you when you are the person who's right and i think that um yeah there's a variety of ways to be a big fish in a small pond but the easiest way is to to just be first to identify situations faster than other people do that are going to be plus ev Admit how little you know, principle number five. Um, any lesson here for a sports better? I can, I can think of one. Uh, big one, I mean, I think that there's tons of lessons. Uh, you know, I, I would love to hear from uh, you guys. You, you build a model and you have some confidence, but then you need to, I assume, bake in some uncertainty into that, like, 
you know, the, your model is going to be overconfident, overconfident or overfit, like almost all the time you have to, you have to, um, bake in some uncertainty. Um, I would say, um, you know, for me, uh, like someone like Spanky, who is, uh, betting probably in a very different way than Rufus is incorporating a lot of uncertainty and how little he knows and just sort of, um, trying to, uh, price shop and, and saying like, I don't really know anything, but these people know something. And, um, you know, I'm going to trust these people putting in all this time and, uh, researching, you know, the line moves here or whatever. Um, then, uh, you know, I think he's sort of the king of, uh, uncertainty or, or admitting, uh, how little he knows in sports betting, but would love to hear what you guys think. Spanky's yeah, I mean, I would say the king of having very little knowledge. Is that what you're saying? No. I mean, I would say that I would say respect for the market, right? Which is yeah. ultimately just just what you started with, which is like the overconfidence of a model, the overfitting of a model, and why you regress to the market because ultimately the market knows things that you don't. And that's why I've had such a tough time with Nate Silver and all that you know. He's been shitting on prediction markets and been shitting on markets. Because he's he's now like doing this sort of victory lap. For, is he really? Is he doing a victory lap over this? I mean, I don't God think bless this, Nate. Uh, like Nate, Nate has dinner with us once a year at our Sloan dinner, and um, but his persona on a lot of this is, it's it just, you know, it doesn't it doesn't it, he keeps quoting. So right now he keeps quoting like predict its markets or some of these shitty markets, which aren't really even really markets. Yeah. And he's saying like, oh, they're still giving Trump like a 10% probability to win the election. And he just kind of like laughs at that. And then he laughs at the idea of how um, Trump had become such a big favorite at one point on election night. And we've covered that whole concept of why that happened. Um, but he has very little respect for election markets. And I think generally, and th this is like the difference, right, between, and you have this um, in your in your principles at some point, the idea of like respecting people that have skin in the game, right? And this is something that Rufus and I talk about a lot where we, he and I kind of disagree on this because ultimately, you know, I believe that it's, it's, the people that have skin in the game are fundamentally different than the people that don't in terms of their understanding and nuance of these, of these, you know, gambling situations. And while Nate has skin in the game from a standpoint of like, it's his reputation at stake, he doesn't have skin in the game in terms of actually betting. And you see that in, in all of 538's models, right? I mean, uh, where I want to go with this is, is, is the sort of whole Taleb who is, Bales, I believe your favorite philosopher or favorite living philosopher, according to your blog. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I like Tal. Real quick, one time I, I tweeted that uh, I thought that uh, Talib was a living day Nietzsche, who's my favorite uh, dead philosopher. And I, I believe Jeff uh, responded that he thought that that was outrageous or something like that. Well, I just kind of think Taleb's a dick, right? He is. I mean, he's a total dick. And he's ultimately, he can be a like, dick and be smart, though. <laughs> yeah in fact, in fact you've, you've if you've you're probably forgotten you can only more be about, a dick if you're smart you've probably forgotten more about philosophy than i know so me responding to that was probably more just me just not wanting 
to to uh, Taleb just drives he kind of drives me crazy in that um you know I, I mean I think that there's some of these some of these concepts right of of like black swan um you know we have black swans like a lot right and and it's like that the the initial notion that that he wrote about um i mean where would you so you clearly place him in a class above gladwell then right yeah i i do i do personally um but you know the, I, have you ever met it, him uh i met him on the street briefly in new york but no no i haven't actually met him did you just recognize him or did yeah, you I recognize him? Like, like, got are like you Jonathan Bales, the DFS expert? And you were like, Oh my God. Yeah. No, yeah. But no, no, I haven't met him, but uh, no, I'm a huge Kyle fan. And uh, um, I mean, yeah, maybe I need to read. He, he, he really is uh, insufferable on social media. You, you, you sort of have to like, yeah, the, the stuff that he says, I think, is amazing in spite of the way that he is. He's like a shitty person, and I wouldn't be friends with him. Um, but some of the stuff is, is I think, just completely brilliant. Um, but he's very anti-Nate Silver. Um, and his, I think his point with the election was basically that if Nate Silver's odds are moving this much, he could get arbed in markets. And if that's the case, there's, there's no way that he's possibly right. Like he's just not, you know, politics isn't like sports. There's all sorts of uncertainty. There's these things that can happen that we can never possibly predict the black swans. And there's many of those that, that could happen. And so probably these elections are closer to 50, 50 than most people think. Nate has been closer to 50, 50 than most people like, you know, New York times at like, you know, in the 90s and things like that um so nate's probably done a better job but uh talib has basically said that that you know if, if these people can continually get arb in markets there's just no way that they could possibly be right yeah and i mean i think ultimately the nate situation is that he became a pundit much more than he became like a you know a real you know, analyst or real analytics person, unfortunately. Well, the pundit, I mean, he has content surrounding his predictions. I don't believe he's putting the pundit you are into such his a, predictions. You are such a neat fanboy. It's insane. No, I just don't think he's, I mean, it's like if I did that, like for my models, you know, I, I don't think, I, I don't know why he would do that, right? I don't think he would. I could be wrong, but like but, skewed okay, his uh, models. What about this? So, that's, yeah, this yeah. isn't what if I'm saying. If I have I'm to not... talk, if I have to talk about a pick I make, some, I, and I might talk about, oh, you know, this injury or or fumble luck or something, I come up with content. I come up with the story around my numbers, but my numbers are programmed like there's. I don't put my finger on the scale in any way for that. I mean, so the the yes, but I was talking to Rob Pizzola today. And we were talking about like why sports betting content is so shitty, this, this podcast included. And it's because anytime you talk about a game and you make a pick, the, the, the analysis should be my model says this and therefore I like that. And then everything that comes from there is just some narrative that you're trying to bake in to make justification for why you're making that pick. And so when I say that Nate's a pundit and that's what, what makes him bad, is that ultimately like 
he's constantly trying to create content around his model. Um, and I don't know. I just, I just, I just haven't liked the way that he's disrespected markets in this whole, in this whole world where it's like, just to your point, Bales, which I think was an amazing point, which was that there is so much uncertainty into in baked into elections. There's just so much that we don't know that like we have no idea. Like, it's an open like, system. Think about this election. There was so much fraud in this election that we have the wrong person elected. It's a joke, guys. Yeah. It's, a joke. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's easy to look back and like, you know, you- Bales, how many times did you vote in Pennsylvania? It, that's what i want to know (laughs) everyone's giving us crap because we let ed teach go on and on about like voter fraud and like how there was so much voter fraud last last um podcast and like yeah we probably should have said something but it was interesting to hear the perspective of someone that really does believe this and has gotten to this point and you know i think most of our listeners that don't agree with him are have critical minds enough to like disagree with them. Mm-hmm. I, I will say this, another business partner of mine who worked with, I mean, when, when I worked with Ed Teach back in the day, like basically listened to the pod and told me like that he said, uh, he said, um, he said that his, like DeRosa was absolutely betting with his heart. So. I don't, I mean, it's hard to say. I actually thought like the beginning part of the podcast was good because it was interesting to hear his reasoning. I do think when he got into like all the conspiracy theory stuff, I was like, okay, this is just confirmation bias at like at the core. It's like the definition yeah. of confirmation bias. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's, it's Nils, what were you saying? What were you saying before, uh, before we interrupted you? I was just going to say, yeah. I mean, regarding the, the election stuff, it's always easy to, or uh, not election stuff, but any, open system like that it's always easy to look back and and pinpoint something like oh the fraud oh you know uh this particular you know the the trump when he beat uh hillary the emails or like this thing will never happen again yeah that was extremely unlikely to happen but it could be extremely likely that something happens that is unpredictable and it always is like these things always continue to happen right like it just becomes you know the sort of expect the unexpected type of thing um yeah and then regarding the uh the nate narrative um thing yeah i think in sports betting it's the same type of thing where you know maybe uh a team is at minus 110 and you think they should be at minus 130 or something and then you know you have to produce content on that it's like i like this team but then the line moves but you're going to change uh, like your whole narrative. Like, Oh, now I don't like, Oh yeah. Now they're not that good anymore. Nothing changed. It's literally just percentage points. You know, it's. it's, So I, I go on, um, I go on Tony Kornheiser's show. Like I go to more, I'll go on tomorrow morning and give NFL picks and, you know, we'll talk about a team and he'll just be like, this team sucks. He'll be like, and, and, and from week to week, I'll like, say really good things about a team and then say really shitty things about a team. Cause all of a sudden the lines have adjusted to the point where I like a team. And so, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's just crazy. Right. It's just like, it's, it's shitty content, but you got to try to create a narrative around it. It, it. it is shitty content for us though to, yeah. Yeah. Like, Oh, well, all right. Stop like, listening to this podcast, everyone. Cause it's <laughs> shitty content. <laughs> it's like, Oh, it's 2% on this side or at this moment. Like, yeah. I mean, 
it's just the reality of it though i don't i don't really know a way around it all right let i'm gonna do one more principle that i love and then and then let's jump into the nfl real quickly we we've been going for a little bit more than an hour and our most of our um listeners have limited data plans so they probably won't be able to listen to this whole thing so uh prince principle 12 it's, wait it's because they've been betting on the jets too much that's why they have they that's have well they data. have they have limited data plans rufus there's yep. a reason and it's, the reason is rufus peabody yep. uh, principle number 12 think long term right i think this is one of the hardest things for people to do and you see it um especially for me i've worked for two publicly traded companies and in those companies you literally are reporting every quarter like it's basically you can't think long term but if you're an investor a real investor you, you know you're you you're buying into this company for the long term so thinking long term is incredibly hard and i'll give you one more example of this and then would love to hear the two of you guys perspective on maybe like the best lessons you have to try to get people to think long term but when i was talking to sam hinkey about um you know what he was going to do next in his career I said, you got to go back to the MBA, right? You got unfinished business there and whatever. And he said, you know what? Being an NBA, an NBA team, you have 82 earnings calls a season. And he's like, that makes it so hard to think rationally and think long-term. And at that point, he told me he wasn't going to go back to the NBA and it looks like he's not going to. So I, I, I now kind of believe him. But that idea of thinking long-term is so incredibly hard. What are lessons that you guys could give, you know, people generally or sports betters about how to, how to like get themselves to be fixated on thinking long-term? I mean, an example in sports betting might be um, rather than trying to analyze like the specifics of every game this week, you're trying to build a model that will be able to help you uh, save time in the future and predicting probabilities for games, right? Like you're putting time into something that, uh, provides leverage in future situations rather than, uh, you know, something that, that has benefit right now. In, a, in your personal life, obviously, that might be things like um, working out, which stinks right now. Like if I'm trying to have the best day possible right now, I definitely don't want to work out. I hate working out, but I know it's good for me long term. If I want to have the best day possible, I might go out with my friends, go party, have fun, but probably shouldn't do that probably just go to sleep not with covid not with covid yeah um reading is another one it's not going to provide a ton of benefit right now but uh obviously huge benefit later um but i think in general business wise and sports betting wise you think about like things that you can do that will provide ever everlasting benefit to you um building models putting systems in place um that uh uh you know in 10 days or you know a month or a year will still be there there's still those things and you know so many it's so easy to fall into the trap of like analyzing the specifics of a game and there of course (laughs) is important it's not like the the thing that i focus on but you know i i would prefer that every hour i put into anything that i do is something that can be leveraged um at a later date yeah that gets back to what you say about like you're your your time wait what is it It, the value of what did you say about the value of your time um yeah i'm bungling it but but people can be able to now now can they they don't but all the time but they can get uh paid 
on the, this isn't the exact quote, but they can get uh, paid on the value that they create, not on the time that they put in, which is, it, that used to not be the case, but the internet has made that the case where you can um, effectively like reap most of the rewards of the value you create. And it doesn't need to be based on, you know, you don't need to rent out your time to, to do that. Yeah. All right. We, I, and I was going to echo basically, I mean, your example was kind of where I was going to go in terms of, of doing things that will have benefit to me um, later. I mean, so, you know, going in and trading half times for, you know, on a Saturday that, that probably has the most value to me now, but that isn't doing anything for me for the future. You know, versus, what would you do instead of trading halftime? I don't know. It's like if you're, <laughs> go look at a park. Hang out with Eli. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's actually a perfect example. This was a this was a real consideration that we had it with Fantasy Labs. We started Fantasy Labs, Peter and I, and uh, you know, we were both um, playing DFS pretty heavily. But of course, Peter's one of the biggest players ever, and uh, he he never had any hesitation about that. We're giving like real information to people. Um, it. Because Peter's a bigger DFS guy than you are. Yeah, yeah. Peter's bigger, better. Peter plays huge. Yeah, Peter's one of the biggest. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we, we started Fantasy Labs, which I, you know, I use Fantasy Labs. I believe we talked about Jeff, but certainly for for news for NBA. Oh my God, your Fantasy Labs back in the days with the NBA stuff, it was amazing, right? Like when you, it was like the place you could look. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that there's, you know, obviously, like, you know, you guys got scooped up and, and things are a little bit different now. But I think they're the, the, the idea of what you guys are doing was was amazing, right, in many ways. And so, um, yeah, it was it, it was brilliant in many ways, because yeah. and, and we still need that at some level, we need that even more now for sports betting. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, but that, that decision was like, do you trade in some it was bad for us in it, the first few months. Of course, like that's not a good decision. But there, there's some game theory element to it. Like someone else is going to do this, and then obviously, like you have to think long term. Like there's no way these games are going to be like this in five years. They're going to dry up. Rake is going to go up. Like it just be so short sighted um, to think like that. Like okay, well we're not going to put this out because um, it's going to dry up our edge right now. Well, that could be like. 2% of the money we make over the next 10 years or something, you know? See, you, you thought long-term there. Uh, my problem is I haven't, I've basically just been betting and being like, I'm just going to suck this dry until it isn't, you know, I'm trying to think long-term more now, but. Rufus, you can't I even think, think like your AD, like your, your ADD just makes it impossible for you to think long-term. Thanks Jeff. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk a little bit of NFL. Um, uh, Bales, do you bet at all on these games? Do you have any opinion on them? I'm not going to have strong opinions on the teams, but I might have strong opinions at any given time on the, on the lines or something. Got it. Um, That's what we hear Rufus, about. Rufus, how about you? Do you have? I have. We have a few plays this week. I went over them with Pixel yep. earlier today, so it'd be interesting to throw some numbers out there. So maybe we don't look so shitty on Betstamp anymore. So, so you. You, uh, the, the, the chat that was me, you and Pizzola is now just you and Pizzola 
Oh, no, no. Pizzola wanted to ask about this uh, new media company that I'm creating. So, ah, yes. It's, um, I'm not really creating a new media company, but there's a bunch of ideas that we're percolating and that veils and I would love to include you guys in on at some point, as long as you're not going to bring your action network friends with over. Just kidding, guys. Just kidding. Just kidding, Brian. Need who listens to this podcast. So we got to make sure. Although he might be done listening to it at this point because it's kind of late in the podcast. Um, oh, we haven't gotten to the NFL picks. Okay. I like Houston. Interesting. I like we Houston actually like, plus. we like Indy, but this is like a, this is like a, uh, a line that we are, tra- we are traditionally wrong on. This is very similar to the. What do you mean? You're traditionally wrong. Uh, is it better to be traditionally wrong or untraditionally wrong? This is like the this is like the Vegas line last week. Vegas Atlanta line. Everyone in the world that was sharp liked Atlanta. We like Vegas. We saw how that happened. How Does that everybody in the world that's sharp like Houston here? I feel like the line. No, is no, no. I don't know. I, I have no idea about that. I'm just saying that last week, probably three or four sharp people I know. I'm not saying everyone did, but three or four sharp people I know liked Atlanta last week. I did. Right. You're you're not one of the sharp people I know, but no, yeah, not in the NFL this year. So um yeah do you have plus, any, yeah, you have any opinion on plus, any of the games i could ask you some fantasy questions because you know i i bet a lot of money on sports but i care about this hundred dollar family fantasy league that i'm in more than anything else uh, i have to like i'm i'm like scraping to make the playoffs and this this falls into the adage of no one actually cares about your fantasy team and um i need to pick up a running back to fill out my second spot. And I'm, I'm kind of thinking the highest leverage guy for me to pick up would be Devontae Booker. Because if Jacobs is out, that's, he's going to be a, a pretty good start. Um, the other choices are Gaskin and, and, and Bernard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm mostly playing DFS. Yeah, that seems reasonable. You're like what a fucking nerd basically is what you're thinking you're like you're like i thought i was a fantasy nerd i'll give now. you i'll give i'll give you an nfl pick though i mean uh you know very specific as an example uh i would say the uh betting the the colts uh first quarter spread on DraftKings right now is like probably highly likely to be profitable super small limit but uh what's the line it's Minus a half, plus one twenty-eight. The rest of the market is like at one fifteen or something like that. So, so okay, just giving us off-market lines. That's, <laughs> I love it. Uh, Rufus, I like Cleveland plus the six. Um, ah, I took so I took Tennessee, um, but I got that earlier in the week. At a, I would not. I'm not taking it at minus six. I took it at um. We had some look-aheads at minus – actually, wait. We, 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 I think this might all be look-aheads that we have it at. We have, in my doc, it says minus 4, minus 120, minus 3, minus 117 look-ahead. So I, I make it minus 8. Um, I wouldn't – yeah. Well, why, did, why did the Bills line move so much? Anyone know? Because um, people realize that Arizona is closer to San Francisco than oh, it is sweet. to Buffalo. Sweet Jesus. That's awesome. I took um, – I mean, maybe it's because I gave out San Francisco plus three at um, or plus two and a half on the RotoWire SiriusXM fantasy football show. I don't think you're giving out a line moved at three and a half points. <laughs> well, Jeff, those three and a half points aren't really three and a half points. 
That's still a relatively big move. Two and a half to it's not the like difference one between to minus, minus one. one and plus one is minuscule. Okay, fine. So you you don't you think it was literally you giving it out on no, some I fucking don't. satellite radio station? How many people even have satellite radio anymore? I don't know. This? But what what did, okay? What did it move for from in terms of money line? I, I was I, I I don't think I actually moved it obviously, but it moved from like what maybe minus one forty five plus one twenty five to. Yeah, I mean, it's like a 40-cent move there. I mean, Rufus, do you have anything else in the NFL? Well, I had San Francisco plus two and a half. Um, I make, what do I make that number? I make that – yeah, I, I do not like it where it is now. Um, so, uh, I like – uh, why don't I just say what I've bet? How's that sound? Sounds and good. I bet um, New England plus one and a half minus 113. Why is that game off? Is it off? It is off right now. I, I'm seeing like minus. Well, it's right around pick, basically. Um, what, what do I make it? I make it New England minus three. So I, I like New England at pick, um, and I think there's. I think it looks like mostly minus ones out there. Actually, there's a William Hill as a pick. Um, I like Chicago. I don't, you know, Chicago minus three, minus 120 right now. They're uh, against the Matt Patricia list Lions. Um, Houston. He's a rocket scientist. And the last one I like is the New York Jets, obviously. Plus the nine. Actually, yeah. you got to like the Jets there. And, That's and actually. Nine is too I'll, many points. I love the Jets there. God, I didn't even know it was that many points. And what do you think? I mean, New Orleans, actually, it's minus three plus 100. I make that minus 5.3 using Jameis Winston. And I know Jameis Winston isn't the starter, but I have him rated higher than Taysom Hill. And I assume that Sean Payton knows more than I do. So You didn't assume that before. What do you mean? No, this was like a fair point that we talked about. By the way, I, was, was I the first person in the world that announced that Taysom Hill was starting? Yeah, probably. On the podcast, that was pretty but good. But you know, Sean if Payton Sean Payton's smart, to he's going to like start Winston. Everybody will be preparing because Atlanta already faced Hill two weeks ago. They'll be preparing for Hill, and he brings in Winston, and suddenly their preparations were for naught. All right, that's enough on this because we're, we're leaving. But yes, poor bills I, I will include. Should I include New Orleans? I mean, uh, now this is the, this is what I get. Like this is where people are critical of me. Because I'm like, is this a pick or not? I actually have to, I'm not sure um, at the current price. It is, it's a lean. I think uh, New Orleans, if you can get minus two and a half flat, is a pick, but not minus three. Boom. How about minus three flat? No. All right. All right. Uh, Bales, any last parting words? I mean, I think we'd love to have you on again to go through more of your principles and to talk philosophy. Maybe in the off season, we can do that. Yeah, of course, man. I, uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's fun. I appreciate the fact that I think I won $3,000 off of your push-up competition and made a new friend on Twitter. Oh, good. Yeah, this is a great story. So when, <clears throat> when you put that up there, I think I put out on Twitter something about it, and this guy DMs me, and he's like, I'll take $200 on the under. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Sounds great. You know, and then he writes me back. He goes, this is right at the beginning of COVID. This is when it happened, right at the beginning of COVID, right? And he's like, uh, I uh, shouldn't have made that bet because, wait, was this during COVID or not? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was on yeah. Uh, like April, 
April yeah. 1st. Of, so, yeah. so he says to me, I shouldn't have made that bet because my um, wife and I both just lost our jobs this week. <laughs> and I was like, dude, you don't have to make a bet with me. It's all good. And I go and I look him up on Twitter and it turns out he's a winemaker in Oregon. So I write him and I'm like, hey, would it be helpful if I bought some wine from you? And he's like, he's like, yeah. So I go and I buy some wine from him and he's like, I'll pay for the shipping. And I'm like, no, 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 don't worry about it. He goes, oh, and the Chardonnay is not available. And I'm like, that's okay. And so I buy some red wine from him and shows up and it's great or whatever. And then is it, like, is it great or is it whatever? It's a different kind. It's like a blend wine. Is it's it a good. natural it's, wine? It's good. So anyway, so, cause he probably listens to the podcast. So it's good. And so he, so. You gotta like, give him some good publicity then. No, but three months ago, or four months ago, he sends me three bottles of the Chardonnay and he's like, things have gotten much better in my life. I just want to thank you for helping me out when times were tough, Aww. which was very nice. And the Jeff, wine is you're called true humanitarian. Inonde, I-N-O-N-D-E. And it's made out of like Oregon and Washington. So That's awesome. Why, why did you guys... Uh... Why did you, Jeff, specifically bet on me in the push-up contest? You had no idea if I could do it. We're um, good gamblers. What can we say? And, I mean, look, Jennings, Jennings believed very strongly in you, and I trust his judgment. God, it's so long ago. I'm trying to remember, like, I, I felt. I think that because Peter was on my side, which – there was really, it's not like I knew I could do it. There was no real objective reason to. Oh, and I'm sure Peter, die. like, I'm sure Peter was biased. I think so many, so many people were like, well, Peter thinks he can do it. And then they start, everyone start betting. And, you know, then there's hundreds of thousands of dollars on my side. I think I just, I think I just like remembered back in the day to like the gambling Olympics kind of stuff you guys did, like hang out with you guys at Sloan and how like, how just incredibly competitive you guys all were and you know like i was hanging out with you guys in ba and and it's like just like that world i just felt confident in betting on you to do something like that and then i also just thought about like the raw numbers of how many push-ups you would need to do per hour and not that it wasn't like an incredible feat but it and like the longevity aspect of it was insane but i also thought like it was also going to be just something that you know, you could do if you were really determined to do it, kind of. Does yeah. that make sense? Like, yeah. You just, yeah if you well, didn't give up, you would be able to do yeah. it and not like, and maybe that was the wrong way. I mean, how sore were you the yeah. next day? Well, thank you. So sore. Thank you for betting on me. Yeah, there was, there was just no way I would, I would have literally just died there and you guys would have watched me die on, on the stream before I would have given up. I would never, I would never have quit. And it was awful. I was a little worried when you when you took that break. I was like, break, the break was planned the whole time, but uh, it, it, I came back probably worse from the break. <laughs> right? So do we like, owe you, you like any integrity fee or something? Like you created the created the product for us to bet on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, um, I I took a shower and. Uh, it was just a plan break. I thought that I was just, it would be good to like, um, you know, mentally get out of and stuff. But my, my heart rate, people don't know this. My heart rate, even when I came out of that was at almost 130 after an hour. It was so bad. 
it was like dangerous. I was really scared. How high was your heart rate the whole time it was elevated that high, huh? I, I assume so. I never felt like fatigued, but it was just high. It was just like this horrible stress on my body. Um, you know, I didn't, yeah, I, I was very did you make Did you make a bunch of money off of that? Yeah, of course. I would never do it otherwise. <laughs> how, much did, how much did you end up making? Uh, tens of thousands. Okay. <laughs> That's so awesome. What were, were you, and how much... Was it even money for you? Like all, all the bets you placed, or were you? Uh, I were you weighing yeah, a price overall? They, or? There were a couple that, there were a couple that were not, but it was mostly even money. It was around even money. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it to me, it was it was like a no brainer, and like you literally just asked me like why I did it, and it, it was like, I don't know, like I I kind of think about these things like, and I I think about this weekend and some of this is probably confirmation bias but like this last weekend that that barkley like the the match three right like to me it seemed insane that mickelson was an underdog and like you kind of just know these people that just can get shit done and like i don't know i just equated you as someone that would would do that and the idea that like I don't know. What did you guys think about that in terms of, did you guys have an opinion on that? Rufus, did you bet that? Bales, did you guys bet that? I didn't bet it. I didn't, I didn't you bet know, it. You know that Mickelson and Barkley were like plus 130 to win that match. Mm -hmm. Right. And have you guys ever played golf with someone that's really, really good, much better than you, and you're playing on the same team? They make you so much better. Well, they tell you it was what alternate to do. Oh, but they're telling you what to do. But they tell you what to do. They give you the confidence in what you're doing that like, you, you know what I mean? Like there's just this incredible and Mickelson seems like he's one of the best at that at the course that he owns. It, it was insane. That was like, you talk about your election being a McGregor situation. To me, that was a McGregor situation. So. So is the Bales pushups. I, I honestly think so. That's why I brought it up. That's what they I think say, the Bales but... push. I think the Bales pushups. I, I really like, yeah and and again like you asked me why and i don't know like it just it just it, i don't know <laughs> it, it it was a very inspirational like the that and then when kanish tried to do the whatever oh god so i like was like interested to see like what was his like 15 minutes yeah he had to do 200 something push-ups or how many push-ups he, he was trying to do 250 in like 15 minutes or something like that and I think what did he have you ever tried to do that, Bills? How many you can do in 15 minutes? Was this the video that I saw that was like the worst form? Like, this yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah, it was so different. Like, uh, people bitch about my form a little bit, but it was, I think, like really good. Like, I was going, it was real form. Um, doing that versus like just like, well, how many push ups do you think you could do in, in, in uh, 15 minutes? I think I could do like in the same you know, situation where people are watching and I have real money. Um, probably like 300. That's what I would, I was going to guess 300 would, would be, would have been my guess. Cause I was interested to see how many I could do. So hundred every five minutes. It's tough. I feel like you, you could do more you burn than out, that. You burn out fast, but I, I did it for the first time the other day and I did 500 and I forget what it was 40 or 36 minutes, 40. It was around there. 
you just tried to do see how, see how long it would take you to do 500 push-ups yeah i did them as fast as i could and like i was really really trying um it's not the same type of thing but so i think i could do yeah yeah approach 300 probably rufus how many think do you think you can do in 15 minutes how many could i do uh, if i weighed rufus's weight was the real question yeah the, the weight is a real consideration yeah i mean i i think that's an advantage for me but i yeah definitely advantage how me. much do you weigh rufus 115 110 150 One is that soaking wet or is that no oh i'm talking about ounces all right <laughs> no i was really interested to see that the 15 minute push-up challenge i i i encourage everyone to see how many push-ups they can do in 15 minutes i think i i i remember back when i was doing all these push-ups i i like try i I tried to figure out the, the I mean, I, cause I was doing a hundred night anyway. So I'd try to figure out like what I could get. I think I was in the one seventies maybe. Mm. It's, it is interesting though. I mean, there, there's a lot of, like, like you, you can't just go as hard as you can at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I think we've, right. uh, we've, Thanks. we've, we've Thanks gone an hour and a half. So joining us bales, uh, it's been fun. Uh, enjoyable. I, I long for the day that we all get to have a drink together in real life now. Um, but again, thanks for joining us. Yep, same. Uh, I appreciate it. numbers in the simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom line is watered down. It seems like they don't get it. Puppeteers are about to end just running off a of leaded.